Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Market Bites podcast. I'm joined by Josh Gilbert. Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. I'm very good. How are you today? Yeah, yeah. Very well. Very well. Um, good Easter break up the four day weeks. How was your uh, well super long weekend in Australia? Obviously, you had the, the bank holidays as well. Whoever started the advocacy for a four day week, just I just want to shake their hand. Whoever you are, please, I, I just want to shake your hand because it is something that needs to happen. I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to, you know, reap the rewards of a four-day week, Sam, given that we work in financial markets. And as we know, uh, they move five days a week. So we might not get there, but even so, brilliant, absolutely brilliant stuff. Yeah, there's a few companies, certainly in the UK and other parts of Europe, that have been trialling the four-day week. And the rumours were that productivity went up. Uh, and I just like to say to these people that are part of companies that are trialing it, keep up the good fight. Um, and for uh, all of us, for all of us, absolutely. Um, speaking of the four day week, it ends, of course, on uh, Friday, which brings up Saturday, which is the Master Investor Show in London. Etoro are going to be there. We've got a stand. We're part of the panel. So anyone that is in and around London or wants to travel down to London to attend that event, and the link is in the bio, I guess you can call it, of this podcast. The link is there, uh, and there's a free code, which is capital letters Etoro, of course, uh, where you can attend the event on the Saturday for free. I'll actually be there. Ben Laidler is going to be there. We've got a couple of our PIs there as well. So um, feel free to, to head to that. It's, it's on between nine and five. You can head whenever. But yeah, eToro is the code. So do check that out if you're looking for something to do on this Saturday. Um, this week is a busy one. So it's a four-day week, of course. But a lot of information has been piled into the four-day period. So we're going to talk about US CPI, which we have to. Um, I think it's also going to be really interesting our next subject, which is talking about gold very close to its all-time high and with earnings literally just around the corner, an earnings preview. Josh, how's that sound? Yeah, it sounds good, yeah. I don't know why they think it's a good idea to pile everything into a, a four-day week. It just feels like everything's in a nice shortened week. I, I think a maybe three, four weeks back, we were sort of sat here twiddling our thumbs thinking, mm. there's nothing really happening. And then now we just get everything in four days, but that's the market for you. That is, that is. And and sometimes I, I think over the last couple of years when it's been quiet and you think, you know what, it's going to be, you know, a quiet week. There's not much that's going to happen. That's when the headlines start coming out, the unscheduled ones, the ones that catch us by surprise. 
Uh, first up then this week, and it, and it has to be, I would say, most important. Uh, we've got the latest inflation reading out of the US. We are 21 days away from the next FOMC policy announcement. So that's the 3rd of May. Uh, and this data point that comes out Wednesday, depending, of course, when you listen to this podcast, it's going to move the expectations of what the Fed are going to do. It's as simple as that. So for those of you that are thinking why, we will answer that. Uh, we will also discuss what is expected, what is priced in, and what would be a good or bad outcome for the market in general. Um, and to answer those questions, I've got the main man here. Josh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I've seen lots and lots of conversation around this CPI print a lot. Uh, I think it might be one of the most sort of broadly covered CPI prints in a, in a long time. And I think just because in terms of the the sort of the unknown, I think of of you know this this next rate decision. I think that's really big, and I think that comes down to a couple of things. But I think obviously we're now at that point where we're we're not sure, right? It's it's very fifty fifty. I think markets are sort of pricing in maybe one more hike now, and we'll touch on that a little bit in a moment. But I think that we saw it with the RBA a couple of weeks ago where we were unsure if we were going to get a pause or if we were going to get another hike. And I think that's the same that we're really seeing here. And I think that's why this CPI print is is so important. And the focus is is on another steep slowdown in headline inflation. Expectations are for a fall to about 5.1%, 5.2%, which would be a ninth consecutive decline. So that tells us that inflation is going to be moving in the right direction. But if it's anything sort of less than that, then that might mean that it's not moving as fast as the Fed would like, which is obviously what we're going to find out within the next sort of 24 hours or so, depending on when you listen to this. If that inflation number is higher than expected, as I say, above maybe 5.2, 5.3, then I think that's going to turn the dial towards another rate hike. And I think markets uh, you know, are increasingly pricing that in. Another focal point, I think, for investors uh, to, to sort of watch is going to be core inflation. Uh, that in excludes energy prices. And that's really key because a big part of that fall from headline is going to be from a fall in energy prices. And that core isn't coming down as quickly as headline inflation. And that's the biggest worry here for the Fed and for investors alike. It's expected to actually come in at 5.6%. That would be up from 5.5% in February. So if it does come in at that number, I think basically we can probably say that the, the Fed are going to move by another 25 points. I think it would just be sort of one more sort of safety hike, if you like. Um, although the banking issues are obviously going to tighten monetary policy anyway, I just think that, you know, that that means that inflation is is still pretty sticky, especially if we exclude energy, right? It's still pretty high. It means that it's not coming down as quickly as they like. But I think what's really important here is that the market for the last two to three weeks has been pricing in in terms of if we look at the s p 500 if we look at the nasdaq that's been pricing in an end to rate cuts that's that or sort of rate hike sorry that's pricing in two or three rate cuts by the end of the year so i think a higher reading there uh, on the inflation number and then that moves the dial towards a 25 basis point move i think we could see some broad weakness across global equity markets because of that um and i think that if we get a lower number 
And if it comes in at 5.1%, I think the market runs with it. I think it will like it because I think the market wants to move higher. We sort of traded sideways for the last sort of week or two. And I think this market wants to move higher. So a good reading tonight will be will be key for that. But I think if we do move higher after that reading, I think that that could spell the end of this nice run that we've had before we move into earnings season. Earnings season is, you know, we'll get onto it in a moment, but it's not expected to be fantastic. And if it does prove to not be fantastic, then this you know lovely run that we've had from markets so far this year, um, I think NASDAQ, what, 19, 20%. I think after that that inflation sort of move, that that, that could be uh, the end of this little run. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting release. I was looking yesterday just around midday. So these percentages may have changed a little bit, but it was talking about the current pricing for the next FOMC decision. As I said, that's on the 3rd of May. That's a Wednesday. Um, so cut 25 basis point is 0%. However, we're currently pricing in free this year. I tell you what, I will take a bet with anyone that wants it that we're not going to get free this year. Unchanged was, maybe still is, at 27% chance. Hike 25, which I think the Fed absolutely have to do, by the way, is at 73% chance. And hike 50, which they're not going to do and shouldn't do, is at zero. So look, we're three weeks away. So those projections are going to change. The CPI is going to influence that one way or another. We're, as I said, three Wednesdays away, three weeks away. So that means the blackout period isn't too far. We've been grinding high, as you mentioned, that's that 19, 20% up. It looks like we're just going to be following the path of least resistance here for equities, which is to the upside, a slow grind higher. If the Fed do not want that, the Fed think that the market are getting carried away expect comments over the next week until that blackout period because it's their last chance to do it. So just be a little bit careful heading into the inflation release for anyone that's listening before or after as well. Um, it's uh, an important one, but we're still three weeks out. Next up for us is gold for us to um, discuss, which interestingly will be directly uh, affected by the CPI number, which is obviously released on Wednesday. Um, it's near an all-time high, a multi-thousand-year high when you look at it. Gold bugs are absolutely buzzing. There's been some beautiful opportunities as well in the recent weeks and months to, to get long. I think it was the 100-day moving average. I tweeted about it yesterday. It held so well before that. There was really, really good opportunities to get long if your bias was supportive of a move higher. Um, I guess there'll be people wondering, why is it? at all-time highs or near all-time highs and can it continue its push higher josh how are you seeing it unfortunately for gold it has sort of uh had its had its shine taken off of it over the last sort of few days it's done really well so far mm. this year but the digital gold in bitcoin has sort of come through and stolen its thunder yeah. but we're not talking about bitcoin we are talking about gold um and and the reason that it is near all-time highs is that We've got inflation that's still elevated worldwide, and we've got plenty of economic uncertainty. Um, and for that reason, investors turn to, to sort of gold. Um, and as you say, it's it's closing in on on those highs. Um, and we, we've sort of seen a gain of about six percent in the last sort of month or so. Recession concerns have mounted. Investors are flocking, as we say, 
to it as a safe haven a proven safe haven as well which is the key point there and we've also seen huge amount of inflows into the world's largest uh gold etf which is spdr gold that's over a billion dollars of inflows within the last month as well so there's not just retail interest um there's huge interest from central bank which banks which is i think the key driver of this uh, and is and has been a you know, gold has been a huge part to, to play in central bank reserves and 2023 has seen the strongest start to the year from central banks buying gold uh, in more than a decade following a record high last year. So, you know, plenty of gold being bought by these central banks at the moment. And I think given that the outlook for gold reaching a new high looks looks pretty positive with that strong central bank and investor demand, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's it's far off to be honest um and i think that's a real huge positive for, for gold, gold miners globally as well um there's quite a few of them we've had a bit of MA talk over the last few days uh as well but uh, as you say i think the cpi report is interesting because when we tend to think about gold we do tend to think about it as a hedge against inflation that's sort of the primary narrative around gold and therefore most investors would probably think okay a strong inflation number uh, would be good for gold, but it's not. We're looking for a lower inflation number here because that's going to provide the Fed with an opportunity um, to obviously pause and then start cutting rates. Uh, cut, start cutting rates. Sorry, and I think that is going to be bullish for gold markets, and that is for a number of reasons. One, because we'll often see a weaker U.S. dollar and commodities perform better under weaker U.S. dollars, and higher rates mean that investors tend to focus on higher yielding assets. Um, you know, if you can go and get five, six, seven percent from say fixed income or whatever you might be able to retrieve, gold doesn't provide a fixed yield, right? A gold bullion isn't going to give you a dividend yield every year. We know it might get five, six, seven percent a year, but again, that's not even guaranteed. But if you can get five, six percent guaranteed in fixed income, uh, you're probably going to do that. So that that's the sort of the main reason that we're we're looking for that. And I think that the focus, as I mentioned earlier, will be. The continued buying from central banks um it's pretty easy to monitor we can keep an eye on that um so for any investors wanting to keep an eye on gold um you can keep an eye on those central bank numbers because you know that will be a, a key driver um moving forward as well yeah really interesting um just on on gold as well i i was trying to uh well i was quizzing Ben Laidley yesterday in the office i was just trying to get the sort of the devil's advocate view on what if gold is at its all-time high because people expect inflation to go back up to 10% in the second half of the year? Uh, not that I thought that was the case at all. And I was just saying, is there a part of you, Ben, that thinks that? And he was saying, no, no, <laughs> it, it's it's a, it's a dollar weakness story. It's a yield story uh, that has led to this this gold push higher, which is you know is 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 clear for for seeing i actually said i what i want to see which i should have done ahead of this podcast really so i apologize to all the listeners is see how gold has performed against other currencies so when we talk about gold for the most part it's going to be against the us dollar um and i would be quite interesting just to see how gold has performed against the pound the euro is it on all-time highs as well or not is this just purely you know a change in rate expectations that has led to to gold becoming more uh, attractive for investors uh, but yeah for for those intraday medium term traders uh, gold absolutely is going to be influenced by this cpi release that we have later on and then 
whatever the Fed decide to do in three weeks. Uh, our final subject today is is earnings. <laughs> they, they never end. Uh, and I'll never stop saying that it's too much that they report four times a year in the States. But here we are again, and we're going to be here again in four weeks time uh, as well. Three months time, I should say. Uh, I read an article from the FT yesterday morning, which was titled, give me one second, US companies face biggest decline in profits since COVID shutdowns. And it goes on to say, first quarter earnings expected to fall 6.8% as inflation squeezes margins. Firstly, as a equity bull, I love, absolutely love going into an earnings season and seeing all these negative headlines because it just means there's more wiggle room. If we price in bad news and get bad news, the market's not doing anything. Nothing's changed. We expected that. But if we get less bad news, or in this case, less bad earnings, markets will love it. Um, next question, though, I, I think for, for people as we head into earnings season is, you know, what is sticking out? OK, yeah, maybe we're not expecting it to be too good. But how are you seeing it, Josh? Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely bang on with what you said there. I think if expectations are low, it gives plenty of room for outperformance. And, and I think that's a positive for markets. My question mark is, will investors accept better than expected if we're still seeing declining growth? Because we've come down you know, significantly. I was looking at Apple uh, earnings expectations today and their earnings you know, expectations have declined about four or five percent over the last sort of four weeks alone. So when we sort of put that in, if we if we do sort of be, then we're maybe we're only getting to what we should have been expecting, um, sort of four weeks prior. So I think that's up for for debate, but we'll obviously have to have to wait and see, I, I guess. But I think I think that investors are going to be happy with a B and a decent outlook. Um, I think that's key. And then uh, talking about the sort of the decline in in earnings, we had plenty of companies issuing negative guidance for this quarter as well. So going into it with, with as you say, not a lot of hope. Um, I think the thing or the sort of the focal point that jumps out to me straight away is obviously the banks. I think that's going to grab the attention over the next week or so, given everything that's happened. Um, I think the challenge that these banks are facing are obviously to be fewer deposits growing loan loss provisions we've got obviously a decline in deal making and trading activities as well but net interest income is obviously going to be positive and should be strong due to obviously much higher interest rates than where we were in q4 so i think there's plenty of optimism there uh, on that side but it's going to be mixed we know that for for sure it's definitely going to be a mixed uh banking reporting season then I think in terms of who's going to lead the growth, I think that's going to be led by cyclicals, consumer discretionary, industrials and energy. And then on the decliners, the laggards, I think that's going to be materials, healthcare, uh, and unfortunately tech as well. We're, we're looking at semiconductor profits um, looking to decline by about 40%. So pretty negative there. But as usual, I think tech is is obviously going to be the focus, especially given, as we mentioned earlier, that sort of 20% or some rally so far this year. But as we say, expectations are for a pretty you know steep decline in, in tech earnings. Profits are projected to drop about 15%. And I think that's a worry, as we sort of touched on earlier, given the rally that we've had this year. If earnings are poor with prices high, 
I think these stocks, you know, may sell off. I think that, you know, valuations have been, you know, slightly more attractive, but given the, you know, the, the, the price rises that we've seen so far this year, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet up 20%, you know, outperforming the NASDAQ, we've got NVIDIA, Tesla, Meta, they're up more than 50% each. So, you know, that's something to, to really think about is that if, you know, we don't get resilient earnings here from these tech names, are we going to see some weakness? I think so. Um, by comparison, though, last quarter, 85% of tech companies in the S&P 500 beat earnings expectations. And that was compared with 69%. So, again, just shows that tech, you know, is resilient. And I, and I think that's going to be a focus this time around. Um, I think that tech stocks are trading at a premium given those earnings downgrades that we've seen. So resilient earnings is is going to be needed to support these current prices, um, you know, moving forward. But I think that what we've seen in terms of this deteriorating view, I think it just reflects everything, right? I think it reflects the weaker economic growth, potentially another, you know, hike that we've seen priced in to combat inflation and obviously these issues that we've seen in the banking sector uh, as well, which obviously is a threat to um, corporate lending as well. So, um look pl plenty to digest for investors um over over the next uh four weeks or five or whatever it is however long earnings season goes on yeah. for but ultimately we're going in looking negative and hopefully at the other end we're coming out saying look it was wasn't the best but it was better than we expected and you know tech is, is still remained res resilient and i'm looking at big tech to, to do that as it as it does yeah yeah it's it's always an interesting time earnings season because you know for the the earnings which unofficially kick off this week it can give an insight into similar names so you know those, those bank names and then you move on to other areas of the market that act as bellwethers so you, you start to get a picture and things get started to to priced into all kind of stocks that you're going to have in your portfolios my advice to newer people is to take it easy don't feel like you have to ever you know, listen to an earnings report and jump in straight away, make a decision, you know, always have patience, have a plan before you go in your best case, worst case uh, scenarios and how you would act according to that. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and nor will your portfolio. Um, I have a, a quiz question in, in a sense. Um, so from 2010 to this year, bitcoin returns now i'm not going to ask you for to the percent every single percent return josh and people at home but there has been three years from 2010 to 2023 where bitcoin has finished down what years that's the question for people at home so from 2010 to 2023 what years did bitcoin finish down there's three of them so Josh, what talk me through your thought process? I'm sure there'll be people at home shouting at their podcast right now. Is anything sticking out to you? So three three years outside of um, 2000 last year, yeah. So last year's one, obviously. Okay. So, you, so two others, 2018, yeah, and I don't know, if I, 2014, yeah. I would have gone 14 or 15 and yeah, 2014. So 2014. Only reason, only reason I know that is because um, I did some research on, on Bitcoin the other day. And essentially the, the idea that we get with crypto and particularly Bitcoin is that it works in cycles. 
yeah. around the halving cycle. So we have three years of gains, a yearly decline, three right. years of gains, a right. yearly decline. And it's followed that to a T uh, every single time. So 2023, we're currently positive. Next year, we've got a halving again, positive, positive decline. So we'll see. <laughs> and 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 I'm not I'm not calling that, but this is not investment advice. <laughs> yeah. And it's happened to the T uh, three times over those four year periods. Um, yeah, that's so, right. You know, four more years ahead, though. Yeah, 2014 down 58%, then 35, 125, 1,331% up, then down 73%, then up 95, 361, 66%, and down 65% last year. And we're already up 83% this year. On that amazing note, we'll wrap it up um, for the week. But uh, for, for those that haven't already, do check out the, the quarterly investment report josh Kelly, and ben came on and, and and talked about a little well a, a little bit about quarter one but a preview for quarter two so do check that out it's on the podcast so if you're listening on on the platform scroll up or down also available on youtube uh, and there's a really interesting transfer market report with joe cole which um i think people should check out as well especially if you're into your football especially now uh, we're sort of into the back end of the season. It's a, a really interesting time. Uh, but Josh, as always, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Take care, everyone. Trade safe. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.